0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, a podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. The second season follows the support crew of the USS Cerritos in the year 2380. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, and uh, right off the bat, this season picks
1: up exactly where season one left off uh you've got boimler who's accepted a transfer to the titan under captain william Riker, um and mariner is pissed <laughs> <laughs> like rightly so i mean he she turned down a promotion he took it and, messed and like left um and they do it in the in such a irreverent way, way, but it's, it's so good. Like, um, you know, she's running past it open. It's cold open. She's in like a Kardashian prison and she's doing an escape and she runs past Boimler and he's like, Oh, thank God you're going to help me. They just keep showing me lights, which is, you know, of <laughs> course a reference to the next generation episode when Picard is captured. Um, <laughs> but you know, she's like, I'm so mad at you. He's like, I'm just a hologram. Like I'm sure the real boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, you know, they, they could jump, they address the fact that they transferred one of their main characters, like right off the bat. Um, Yeah. And it just continues to get like a bit loony from there.
0: Um, it does. But um, wow. They retread just jumped... some of the, we've just jumped right in, haven't we? <laughs> We should probably note that we we have already covered season one. We did a a full review on that. A lot of the, well, pretty much all the returning cast members or the cast members from the first season are back here. So we've got Tony Newsom, Jack Quaid, Noah Wells. All those people are back. And you, you mentioned Jonathan Frakes. The season two premiere opens with him it's Captain Riker and the posers and yeah, all of that loved all of that. And we both really enjoyed that first season. So I was very much yeah. hoping that the second season was going to be a continuation of that. And, and, and it definitely is like tonally, everything. It just follows on. And I, I think the time between season one and two in the show is around about three months That's how long Boimler has been away. But they did, I'm pretty sure they made seasons one and two back-to-back. We are getting a third season. That's due or, well, that was ordered in April, so maybe sometime next year, I would hope. But it seemed like they were making seasons one and two very close together. So we might have a little bit more of a wait for a third season.
1: Yeah. um... And they do a lot of smart things. Like you can tell everyone who works on this show is massive Star Trek fans. I mean, they do little callbacks to themselves, like the first episode of this because Rutherford's mind gets wiped from the season one finale. Of course, uh, he's uh, Tandy now has a year's worth of experience with him, but he doesn't have the same uh, familial friendship as she's familiar with, because he's missing that year's worth of memories. He only has the memories of recently, and he's dating the girl from the first episode again in the first episode of this season. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you can't do that. You've already done that. <laughs> like don't retread old ground. He's like, oh, that's okay. Cause it's our third date. Not our second, not our first, um, you know, uh, and he's kind of all of the characters, they all have progression from season one. and throughout season two which I really appreciate you know that it is a comedy series but they are still servicing the characters as if it wasn't any other Star Trek series um, one of the other people who died who comes back is Lieutenant Shax uh, and they do this whole thing of oh yeah British crew come back all the time
0: oh, they never gosh. talk about it though <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. This. This show, I feel like it's it's not seen by as many people as it should be. And I know people that initially were put off the, by the concept of a comedy Star Trek cartoon. And when they finally started watching it, got a few episodes in, really enjoyed it. And I, I feel like you, you can't just watch one or two. You need to watch it a little bit. I think we found it a bit easier to get into, but... For people on the fence, they seem to be put off a bit too easy. And I think I said it when we did the review of the first season. The comedy works for me because, like you say, that this show is made with love by Star Trek fans and they're not taking the piss out of Star Trek. It's all done with love.
1: Yeah, and the things that they are going to take the piss out of, it's things that we as fans have noticed, like second episode, someone's eating corn, like, Oh wow. You got pr- double promoted. He's like, what? It's like, you've got a pip. A pip. And he says, <laughs> yes. Oh, that's just corn. It just fell. It happens all the time. Like, if you ever see inconsistency with someone's pips, just corn, <laughs> like because that is the thing that fans notice. that, you know, during uh costume fit outs on F certain episodes of the show, Whoever was dressing out the actor that day forgot how many pips they have on their collar. So they put on too many. Like it's, you can look this stuff up online and they put all that stuff in there. Um, an ongoing joke from season one that we get to see finally in this season is uh cetacean ops. Cause there's a deck on apparently every Federation ship that tracks its way back all the way to the sixties, the original TV show. Dolphins are supposed to be so intelligent that they have also evolved where they are fully sentient uh, interactive members of the crew who have their own special level on any starship because they need to live in water. So Cetacean Ops, uh, but they could never afford it in the 60s, obviously. There's no idea of like, oh, we'll build... They had no money for the show at all. They weren't going to build sets for a dolphin in the 60s. That's ridiculous. And come next generation they really pushed for it but again it was far too expensive and too much of an undertaking to do on a, a series especially with something that I was shooting every week with all the other special effects they had to do um you know sequest dsv is kind of like that idea with the dolphin from that series from the 90s for those who remember because you first like someone must have been a hardcore star trek fan i was like i'm gonna find a way to get that onto my show that star trek never got to but they have it on this at it we get to see it they've referenced it on multiple occasions like oh i was just hang out with the guys in cetacean ops because they're dolphins and killer whales and they're supposed to have a, their own deck because they're fully functioning members of the crew um but that's the sort of love they have even episode four is mugatu gumatu and they make the reference of like, oh, they have multiple pronunciations because certain actors get the script and they re- read it and they get it wrong. <laughs> and their reference is like, oh, that's just because it has multiple names. It's not the actors getting it wrong. It's,
0: it's, uh, it's just a quirk of the language. Smart. It's funny. But I just want to go back to the dolphins. I didn't know <laughs> that was a thing. I just saw yeah. dolphins... In Starfleet uniforms, I didn't realize it's something they've been trying to do since the original series. Yeah,
1: um, that just obviously they never. You can do on an animated budget because you don't really have a budget. If you can, if it can be animated by hand, it can be thrown into anything. You can have universes collapse and explode. You can have uh, the most intricate, over-the-top thing ever because. You just need people to draw it. You don't need to build a set or spend months rendering special effects on a computer program. Um, yeah, it's... And it's that kind of, as I said, that's kind of love that the jokes all get. There's the... Uh, the new the new security officer who's a reference from Next Generation of uh, Timber, his arms wide... Who they speak completely in metaphors, which makes it hard for them to interact with other species because the other species don't have the metaphors from their history. So <laughs> they gotta say something like something something something. Uh, Kishan, his eyes open. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you you'd literally need to understand what their cultural relevance is to be able to understand what they're trying to say to you. <laughs> um, and he's a he's a recurring character. He's in. Multiple episodes of the show, like he even tries to pick up a girl in the bar, and she's like, Ah, oh, disgusting!
0: And we have no idea what he referenced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely good gags in here. I mean, it's a comedy, it's funny, nailed it <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely. And anytime Tom Paris, appears oh, in the show, say. yes. So of course they get the actor who played Tom Paris in, because why wouldn't you, and why wouldn't you do that for anyone? Anyway. Jeffrey Coombs, Mister, like he's been so many different side characters in Star Trek on DS Nine. He was pulling double duty as not just a Ferengi who was always giving Quark a hard time because he was like like administrative level government agent Ferengi guy. But also as one of the uh, aliens who served the Dominions during the Dominion War. And he was in both of those characters in the same episode of Deep Space Nine. He's done so many side characters. And here he is as the evil sentient computer, (laughs) which apparently doesn't solve in Starfleet, which itself is a reference to the animated series
0: from the 70s wow like yeah it's, there you go. it goes that far back <laughs> deep cuts and before when you mentioned tom paris and his original actor robert duncan McNeil. yep um
1: he doesn't get a lot but if they're gonna if they're gonna put the character in they get the actor because why wouldn't they you know in, in a you know if they had kept saying tom paris and then they had just gotten some voice actor to like get yeah, and he opened his mouth instantaneously. I'd been like, That's not Tom Harris. I know, I know that guy's voice, and that's not it. Um, yeah, it,
0: it goes such a long way getting the actor back. Quick sidebar Star Trek Prodigy. Have you started watching that yet? I haven't yet. I have signed up for Paramount Plus
1: specifically to watch it. Um, And and all the future Star Trek shows as they drop, because I just get all of the streaming services, apparently, um,
0: whatever (laughs) um, whatever it takes to cover for me. I did the seven-day free trial, and in that time, I was able to watch the first four episodes. There's not enough on Paramount Plus for me at the moment, but I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with, with Star Trek. We will get back to Lower Decks, but what I was just going to say is that I was pleasantly surprised by Prodigy because this is... I mean, Lower Decks is animated, but it's more like an older audience. It's more for an older audience. Prodigy, like, plastered across the title of the show, you've got the Nickelodeon logo. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, so this is Star Trek for kids, and I thought they were aiming a lot younger and it is a younger audience than what they're going for with Lower Decks, but not as young as I thought. So actually it's got some edge and what made me think about it is Kate Mulgrew is back as Captain Janeway or there's something else going on with that character, but it's the original actress voicing Janeway and episode two, there's an action sequence on the starship and as she's moving around the ship, they play the Voyager theme. Oh. It's, it's so good. As a Star Trek fan, it is so good. So whether it's Janeway on Prodigy or Tom Paris on Lower Decks, I'm enjoying like this new show with the new characters, but classic Trek as well when they incorporate that. I really like that. And not just TV, film. We get the Borg Queen and it's the same actress back yeah. from First Contact, which... Alice Krieg. Ooh, yes, blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and again, she
1: has it's like maybe two lines of dialogue in the episode, but they still reach out for the original actors because the fans appreciate it. Um, and they have that much love Um or oh, I, I guess for voice work's also not that hard. So it's a bit easier to entice an original actor back when, uh, you know, we can record that we can send someone round to your house to record, <laughs> record on this like microphone, or you can come down and record it in the booth. How do you feel?
0: <laughs> um, yeah. However, however they're doing it. I appreciate it. And it's, it's great. I mean, We've been reviewing all these Star Trek shows, whether it's Discovery, Picard, and just having Star Trek back again on the small screen is fantastic. And, and it's it's all been good quality. And we, it's, it's all new with Discovery. But, you know, Picard, Lower Decks, just having classic Trek, having Riker in Picard, was amazing and then just having him back and i was surprised at how how much Riker we got in that season two premiere
1: yeah um and the second episode like all his his uh references like like because he likes jazz like i've heard this tune somewhere before (laughs) and (laughs) let's cut the strings and yeah then when you got the transporter clone of boy at the end he's like um Yes, we should talk more. And then he does a, like, hey, computer, play Nightbird, which, of course, is a song he always kept trying to learn throughout Next Gen, but couldn't nail because he wasn't oh, talented
0: enough. Oh, like, so good. What, what I really like about Raikou as well is that, because Raikou is so different to Picard, Raikou is essentially Kirk. Yeah. What yeah, he wasn't Yeah. So when he's the captain of his own ship, He's like got a he's got a crew of thrill seekers and they're just jumping into danger. But then you've got Boyle there and he's like, Whoa, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, yeah, he's screaming, science. it's not his element. Yeah. <laughs> like he like just yeah. And then you and then yeah. you got a duplicate of him, so then there's two of him walking around, so one stays with Riker, one goes back to the Cerritos, which was a good way of handling that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like they wouldn't just demote him and send him back to the ship without him breaking character and doing something like against Federation rules.
0: And it's classic yeah, Star Trek. Um, At some point, you will meet your double. It's just yeah. a thing that happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and,
1: um, again, when Shax comes back, they make all these references like, how did he come back? And they're like, oh, who knows? Nexus, uh, Energy Ribbon. Assimilated and then freed from the Borg Mirror Universe, like, you know, blah, 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 and like, you know, landed on a Genesis planet. Like, they just name all of the ridiculous ways in Star Trek history a character's come back from the dead because, like, they can, because it does happen. Even, you know, prank core, you know, uh, Skin of Evil, the next generation character from that one episode where he killed Lieutenant Yar because he's a jerk. <laughs> And they could, like, yeah. Uh, and it, I have to say, though, my favorite episode for this season, too, it was episode nine. Uh, it comes up on Amazon Primers, uh, Wedge Douche, which is, I guess, Klingon for lower decks. And we get to see the ah, lower decks of all these other ships.
0: That's right. Yes, that was great. And It was
1: so, yeah, because you're still sticking with. Boimler and Rutherford and Tendi and uh, Mariner, but you're also seeing the same things on other ships, specifically a Vulcan ship and a Klingon ship. And they all end up connected by the end of the episode. Um, and, you know, you get a brief glimpse of like a Pakled ship and they're just lying around like, because they're so dumb, like maybe you should have some mushroom. Um, and then it closes like it closes the episode the lower decks of a ball cube and they don't do anything they're just in their docking <laughs> stations because they're just using brain power for computerized uh like processes like it of course that's what it looks like in a ball cube um i was hoping you know to lin the vulcan member of the lower decks on the vulcan ship they're like you're getting transferred to a starfleet vessel. I was hoping she was going to end up on the Cerritos by oh, the end of the that'd season. Be cool, yeah. So I'm hoping she comes back for season three because um, I'd like to see some more on that. Because she's, they're all like, there's also all the Vulcan stuff was my favorite because she was just um, more pushy with her beliefs, and everyone's like, oh, emotional outburst. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that was.
0: <laughs> It mentioned packluds are they do they already exist or are they new for the show? They are from Voyager wow in like
1: okay. maybe three episodes um but yeah, uh, they've brought them back for was it Voyager? I feel like it was Voyager um but yeah they've it's one of those like deep cut uh races they have pulled out. Because there wasn't a lot done on them and they can do what they want. And then, yeah, that episode, you've known they've been working with someone because they've suddenly become more aggressive and they've got better tech and that kind of thing. But it's a Klingon who's trying to start a war to hustle some more things. And it's against Klingon beliefs because he's having someone else fight their battles. All that's accurate. It's all... It all makes sense. It's all logical. Um, and yeah, it's that question that I had for the whole season of who the hell's supplying these pack leads? And then, yeah, you, could, they get, you, you would get your answer. And I was like, so busy. We're like, no, can we go back to the Vulcan
0: ship? I want to see what's going on down there. Well, let's talk about the shocking season finale. With commanding officer Captain Carol Freeman arrested for her alleged role in a plot involving the packlets, her daughter Marina and the rest of the crew face uncertainty as a crisis in leadership as the series delves into production on its upcoming third season. So that's where it leaves off. Again, we know a third season is coming, but we've got a big cliffhanger. And just seeing, to be continued, and it looks at like the end of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I love that. Yeah, yeah same. Um, but it's a
1: it's a big thing, you know. The season when they transfer one of the main characters off the show. This one, they had so much character growth. For not only did we know Freeman uh, and Mariner, a mother and daughter, that was a like a. A big secret that got revealed at the end of the first season that yeah like start the season starts off that's the conflict of like now she can't do what she wants because her mom wants to be involved and she's like with her all the time and she feels that she has less freedom now that people know um it takes a long time for them to find a, a balanced and working relationship uh and a personal relationship and that's huge, because it's a it's it's a nice dramatic emotional beat and of like oh they you're arresting their captain who was going to turn down her promotion, she was going to get transferred off the ship, and people were prepped for it, and then it
0: takes this big left turn,
1: but also who set her up? We yes. well, that's,
0: well, that's it, so we still don't know that's going to take us into the third season, yeah. This it's a fun show. What is it? Twenty-five to thirty minutes long. It's a good runtime. Yeah, ten you can easily digest them. Like, I think it's ten episodes like, per season.
1: Yeah, at the moment. Like um, even the opening, it's a very classic Star Trek opening for the credits, the classic Star Trek theme. Um, that's unique for this show, but in the style of all the classic Star Trek series. But with the comedy stuff of them going from thing to thing and kind of <laughs> messing up. Like, yeah, yeah. All of it feels right. The te- I said, whenever you see the credit text, it's done in that classic next gen
0: font. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, the, I, I love everything about it. <laughs> yeah, the composer on the show is Chris Westlake. So the main theme, that, well, the score for the show. But they do use the Alexander Courage original Star Trek theme. Yeah. And I always like um, how to use that. Same.
1: Uh and everyone's a, you know, even uh they get really smart um guest stars. The animation style's nice and clean. It does it's not too jarring a style to change from what from what a normal TV series looks like to what this looks like. They are pretty fast and loose with the costumes. Where, I
0: would, yes, I was just thinking of the costumes <laughs> because I kind of forget that the Cerritos essentially has their own Starfleet uniform. It's when because flashbacks, and you'll see Marina and she's wearing like the first contact or the DS9 gray shoulder pads costume yeah. or uniform. It's <laughs> uniform, yeah. yeah, which is what the Titan also has. Yeah, but then characters come and go. And even in the season two finale, you see other characters on other starships and they've got the other uniform as well. But Cerritos, they've got their own uniform, but it does, it works though. I like it. Yeah, it evokes the
1: next gen classic costumes from the TV show, not the films. Um, and as someone who plays the online video game, it's a cut used on one of your uh, uniform options on that as well. So it's in the weird gray area. Even just, I think it was Discovery Season 2 uh, when Captain Pike steps on, they're in the new uniforms for the deep space long-term right. missions and they make yeah. the comment. like, So it's already established in canon that there are multiple, there's not just the starfleet uniform for the era it's yeah they they kind of slowly get phased in and out between different vessels and that kind of stuff i'm like that makes sense because even every ship would have its own unique patch on the arm because that's the way real military vessels work as well like and even nasa um spacesuits like if you're on an Apollo mission, you have a special Apollo badge and it'll be specific to what number of mission you're on, um, as did all the space program. And so does Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos um, Space Company. So well. they change up their ship name and logo for each flight. I um, don't know about SpaceX, but I wouldn't be shocked to find they do the same thing. <laughs> So it is all canon. It makes sense. It doesn't jar with itself. Um, and that's again, it's just the attention to detail this series goes to to ensure it that it fits in that line of like, like we're with you. We're in on the jokes. We're not poking fun at the thing that we all love. Um, but yeah. we all admit there are there are continuity errors and a bunch of other stuff that we're going to poke at because we're all
0: annoyed by them. <laughs> Yeah, but the one you are pointing out is excellent. It's not a pip, it's a corn. It's a corn kernel. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is a lot of fun. And on that, if you're gonna rate this season out of five. Um
1: I'm gonna coming out at a four out of five. Um, which is from memory, I think what I gave season one. The more I watch this show, the more I love it. I can understand people's apprehension. It being an animated show and, and a comedy for something that's, you know, for its from its inception being a sci-fi drama. Um, but I love it. I uh, I do think I do still have other preferences in terms of Star Trek of things. I w- will turn to, like, I'll, I'll rate over this, but it's, it's right up there with as good as the other series, um, it has all the love and attention it, it has. It has character progression growth. And with these first two seasons being put back to back and them not quite knowing like what the uh, reception was going to be before uh, they started working on anything new, like this is all stuff, as you said, they'd been put uh, written and probably recorded kind of back to back. So they even as they're finishing this season, maybe they're starting to get some notes back of how season one did. So I'm really interested to see what they do for season 3 Um having taken on maybe some criticisms on board or, um, or whether they just say, no, no, no. Like this is where we'll, this is where we'll get them. This is the direction we're going. Um, I love it. And I'm happy that we're getting more. Uh,
0: how about yourself? Yeah, also coming in at a four. The, the first season, for me, I had more of an edge because it, it was new and and I did, my enjoyment did carry over into the second season, but it was all new and exciting that first time around. But what they started there, they definitely do carry over into season two. The quality doesn't drop. The gags still land. It's got a really good cast. and. You know again, just mixing the old with the new it's it's a great show that I really enjoyed watching week to week, but again, I just think it if more people gave it a chance and just you know not not just turning their nose up at it because it's a comedy cartoon of that thing that they like, yeah, it is. It's it's really good. I mean, we recently reviewed Aquaman King of Atlantis where they took a known property and tried to make it into a comedy. Doesn't always yeah. work. This, it works. They've taken something that wasn't a comedy, but they've approached it with love and respect. And they've made this half hour animated comedy. And it really is so much fun. And yeah, you know, I grew up on Star Trek. I watch and enjoy Star Trek, but I don't get all the things that you get. Like whenever we yeah. talk Star Trek, you're always pointing out things that I've missed. So yeah, there's lots of deep courts. If you're a, a big Star Trek fan, I'm sure you're going to get a lot more out of the show than maybe you realize. Yeah, um, I think that's a big that's a big
1: important thing as well. I don't think you need to be, as deep into Star Trek as I am, or even you are, but it's not, it's because it's not, but it only enhances your enjoyment of the show. It doesn't attract. Well,
0: like, that's the thing. Once yeah. you
1: can get past that, like watch three, four, five episodes to, to let it settle for the, how the tone is and how it works and watch the characters growth start to come in over that many episodes. You know, there's so much to love. what they do here and yeah also they go out of their way to answer questions that we've probably thought in our heads just a little bit from watching some star trek but maybe didn't want to know the answers to like they have these fully operational (laughs) hologram suites that they interact with that are basically like uh fantasy boxes like yeah it's probably going to be a bunch of people doing the nasty in there that's their version of <laughs> porn like like the I internet mean, is yes. to, to, today um what happens with all the uh you know excretions oh, people from lower decks have to clean out the filters <laughs> 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 that's that's the job on the starship
0: was it the the first season where we we're talking about the the replicators Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. That was the first season, wasn't it? Like where the food yeah. comes from. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We've done that already. Yeah. Um But the
1: you know, the the curios that these bridge officers take, you know, they, you see them at. And this is a typical again of different episodes where they'll come back from a, a particular away mission at the end of the episode, and you see them with a little curios that they're like thinking back on the mission and what they've learned before as the, the music fades and the episode ends. And for Lower Decks for season two, they accumulate so many of these things that they've got to get the Lower Decks guys. They do a, uh, a normally consolidation day. it's trash day. They've got to come <laughs> through and pick up all this crap. That, oh, the the bridge officers have accumulated because they're not following protocol and they're like, a moment of like, oh, I want to keep that. It's going to mean something to me. And it doesn't because there's like crap in their rooms they want other people to clear out, like, oh, better put this where it's supposed to go. I don't care about it anymore. Um, yeah. It's you're like, oh yeah, that that's totally something that would happen. Like, you know, you go on holiday somewhere and you get like a postcard or like a little figurine or a or spoon or like a tea towel. And eventually it stops
0: being something that you care about. Like, oh, I guess that goes into the drawer well there we go that's it star trek lower deck season two so i think the next star trek show we're going to be talking about will be prodigy i'm pretty sure the series ends december i'd have to double check but that'll definitely be the next one and then next year strange new worlds captain pike um yeah i'm really excited for discovery season Four? Ah wow. Season four. And Picard finally getting Picard season two. I with thought, Q. Yes, with Q, John DeLancey. I honestly thought there was gonna be a fairly quick turnaround between seasons. With Picard. <laughs> but hey, they're making his way. Right. Two years between yeah. seasons one and seasons two.
1: Um but they also know they only get three, so they're making sure they Uh, really have nailed down a story that they want Patrick Stewart on for.
0: Yeah. I mean, they don't, I mean, clearly they don't want to rush it. They want to get it right. But at the same time, yep. He's not a young man. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's what I was trying to get at. He's not getting any younger, but we can wait. We can be patient. Well, that's it for our episode, all about the Star Trek Lower Decks season two. If you would like to contact us about this
1: episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as
0: Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.